Clippers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, it is time for your Saturday, January 23rd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Game day today. Flyers trying to avenge a 5-4 shootout loss to the Boston Bruins. They'll be back at it at TD Garden tonight. 7 o'clock puck drop there in Boston. We have a lot to get to in this episode, a ton to get to. I think this is an important episode and an opportunity for us all to talk about what is going on with this team early. Now, it's interesting because... What I'm seeing on social media, and I, and I try not to judge everything on social media, but what I'm seeing on social media is a lot of concern, a lot of concerns, some of which I see I think are valid, some of that I don't think are valid. Some are from people that are constantly negative and the sky is falling and they live with this cartoon anvil above their head with the, the twine of the rope withering away or somebody standing there ready to cut the twine for the anvil to land on their head. And look, I get it. The, the world that we live in right now is it feels like there's an anvil above our head a lot of times. But and then I see some over optimism and overcompensation. So I, I put out a tweet to kind of look at concerns and what I think is real, what is a real concern with the team and what I don't think is a real concern or what is we need more time, what we need more time to determine. I think there are some concerns. I think there are some things people are concerned about that aren't concerns. And I think there's also a big, heavy dose of perspective that needs to be added here. I get that in Philadelphia or Flyer fans, sometimes you don't watch the entire league. You watch your team, and you don't see what's going on around the league. Um, a lot a lot of you do. A lot of people that listen to this podcast love hockey. They watch tons of hockey. They watch the NHL. So I'm going to try and provide a little perspective in that regard as well. And we're going to go through a bunch of these Twitter questions with concerns or lack thereof concerns, and we're going to kind of break these down. But before we get to that, and we're going to get to a bunch of them, I promise, uh, I want you to hear from Joel Faraby and Ivan Provorov. They had a chance to meet with the media yesterday after practice, and here's what they had to say. Yeah, hi, Ivan. I know it's early in the season, but, you know, you played 30 minutes last night, played 27, 28 minutes the night before. Do you worry about, I know how much effort you put into your offseason workouts, but do you worry about the minutes piling up? this early in the season with the way the games are going to come together so fast? I don't think they're piling up. I mean, I'm, I'm in great shape. I've, you know, you know, I've always played a lot. I love playing, you know, big minutes. It's easy to get into rhythm and just keep going. So, uh, I know I don't, I don't worry about that. Hi guys. Uh, this question's for, uh, for Joel, I guess. Um, this is the, uh, the first road trip for you guys. I'm just curious as to, you know, what that's been like so far and how you guys are staying busy despite the uh, the protocols and the restrictions. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think the NHL is putting a, a really good system of, you know, strict strict rules and stuff like that. So we're, we're just trying to stay safe and stuff like that in the hotel. And, uh, you know, while we're here, it's all business. So we're just uh, looking forward to the games here. Uh, we got a big chance to get three out of four points here on the road, which would be huge. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Charlie, did you have a follow-up? Uh, yeah, I guess um, you know, in that vein, there was the uh, the thing with with the Capitals, with uh, you know, meeting in hotel rooms and whatnot, and that you know, resulting in quarantines. You know, do you guys are you guys able to? I don't know. I know you a couple of you guys really like to play video games. Is that something you guys have sort of been able to keep doing despite being stuck in your own hotel rooms, or you know, staying in touch despite having to do it kind of distance? 
Um, yeah, I think a few guys brought their Xboxes on the road uh, to play in their room. Uh, I think that that's something. Uh, you know, we have the lounge at the hotel where we can hang out pretty safely. So uh, we're, we're staying busy. It's it's not too bad. Uh, we're enjoying it, and um, you know, we're we're just looking forward to playing hockey. Jordan Hall, you're on with Ivan and Joe. Go ahead. Hi guys, uh, this is for Ivan. Ivan, I know we've asked uh, you a lot about Matt Niskanen, but what were some of the things that he did on the ice that really helped you guys in terms of goal prevention? Um, I'm just asking, just given obviously uh, there's been a lot of shots against uh, for you guys uh, through the first five games. Yeah, I mean, Niski, you know, was a great player overall, great defensively, um, you know, super steady and, uh, you know, he was breaking up a lot of plays uh, on entries and in zone. But I think uh, overall, you know, since we didn't really have a preseason, our team was still, you know, getting back to the level that we used to play at defensively last year. So, you know, usually during normal season, you have about seven, seven, six preseason games. Now we didn't have any. So uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. And but I think uh, I think we'll we'll get better and uh, we'll get to the level we were at last year and even better. We have one or two more questions. Sam Kirchidi, are you on? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, we got oh, you. Okay, uh, sorry, I had no sound before for some reason, but it came back now. Um, I don't know if you guys were asked this or not, but uh, can you talk about the shots on goal? Again, I apologize if you were asked this. Uh, I think it's five straight games now, 30 or more shots. What do you have to do to improve that? Um, I think uh, we got to clean up in some areas like turnovers. You know, there's been too many in our zone, in the neutral zone, and uh, some uh, giveaways in the offensive zone. Just got to play a little bit smarter uh, and uh, defend a little better as a team, play tighter. But like I said before, uh, it's only, you know, it's only our fifth game. Um, you know, we didn't really have a preseason, so we'll get better, we'll be better, and uh, uh, we'll get the shots on goal down and uh, play better defensively. Two very important, young, very important players for the Philadelphia Flyers there addressing the media. What we need to address now are concerns. Again, we are five games into the season, and it's a long season. Even though it's only a 56-game season, it is still a long season. There's a lot of runway here left. Games do mean more than they normally do. But as we sit here on the 23rd, the Flyers do have the top spot as as recording. They are holding down the top spot in the East Division, the Mass Mutual East Division, excuse me, with a record of 3-1-1 through five games with seven points. Uh, their goal differential is plus three. They've scored 19 goals in five games. They've allowed 16 goals in five games, and they lost their last game in a shootout. So that's where they sit right now. And some of the levels of concern I see are warranted. Some of the things are warranted based on what we saw last year. Some of the things that I'm seeing on social media and a lot of the questions I'm getting are pretty doomsday-ish. Look, the fact of the matter is this, before I get to the, the responses to the tweet that I put out, is the team has not played great yet. And I understand that's frustrating. Um, but the fact that they haven't played great and they're still 3-1-1, one, and one, that's a good thing. Now, eventually that does catch up to teams. You have to be better. You have to be more complete. You can't get outshot and, and out, you know, uh, 
outpossessed in, in, in your D zone or hemmed in your defensive zone too much. You need more offensive zone time. You need to generate not more shots, but more opportunities and more high danger chances because eventually winning without that is not sustainable. So that I understand. But again, through five games, three, one, and one, seven points, the top spot in the division. That's a successful start to the season. And and where I want to kind of go before we even get to some of the questions is this. Normally, five games in, you're only five games into a preseason. There was no preseason this year. So usually the teams play anywhere between seven and ten games, I guess, in a normal NHL preseason. And you're knocking a lot of the rust off and – you're not your body, your hands, your brain, your feet. They're not all dialed together just yet. It takes time. This is not one of those sports where you just jump out there and it all clicks. It doesn't work like that. And despite the fact that there wasn't a lot of turnover, there still is, you know, getting your hockey instincts back with your system and all of those things. It's why at the beginning of every NHL season, goal scoring seems to be way up. And then eventually, coaching, instincts, knowing your system and your role in it starts to dial in and chances go down, high danger chances go down, teams tighten up, and goal scoring goes back to where to normal. Uh, every year it gets celebrated though. Oh, look at all the goals are scoring in the NHL. This is great. That not for me, it's not great. But that that's what happens every year. So let me just give you a couple examples of teams that we thought were really good heading into this season. The Carolina Hurricanes right now, heading into this season, we all thought, hey, that's a legit team in the East. They're, they're playing in a decent division with Tampa Bay in the Central. Uh, so far this season, Carolina, through three games, they've only played three games, they're 2-1. and one. They have four points. Pretty decent. But their one loss was a 4-2 loss to Detroit. Detroit was the worst team in the league last year. I know we, we, we kind of look at teams this year based on what they were last year. Now, Detroit's better. They're still not good. But they're better. Um, you look at a team like uh, like the Buffalo Sabres that the Flyers got beat by on Monday by a score of 6-1. to one. We look at them last year. They weren't a very good team. Are they better this year? I would think they're a little bit better. They have Eric Stahl as their second-line center. They added Taylor Hall. Um, that's a better team than they were last year. So measuring a team for what they were last year I think is foolhardy. Okay, so that's Carolina. They already lost to Detroit with just three games in. They, they beat Detroit, and they lost to Detroit. Okay, let's look at a team like the Boston Bruins, who last year, if we're going to judge by last year, they were the team that won the President's Trophy in the regular season. They lost a game 2-1 to one in overtime to the New Jersey Devils, who a lot of people predicted would be the, the bottom, the eighth team in the East Division. They also lost one to nothing to the New York Islanders. In their first three games prior to playing the Flyers, they hadn't scored a five-on-five goal, and in those three games, they scored a total of three goals. Okay? So, Boston. They, they've had some ugly defeats, if you measure it, by last year. Toronto, a team that Vegas has at the top of the odds to win the North Division. I don't have them there. I have Montreal. But a team that Vegas has there, they've lost, they lost to Ottawa, their second game of the year, 5-3. to three. They also lost to Edmonton 3-1. to Now, Edmonton's a good team. Ottawa, based on last year again, not a good team. And then they barely got by Ottawa in the second game, 3-2. to Okay, so that's Toronto. Let's look at Vancouver. Tremendous year last year. Big jump forward for Vancouver. Uh, they won their first game 5-3 to over Edmonton. Then they lost three straight. They lost 5-2 to to Edmonton. They lost 3 to nothing to Calgary and 5-2 to Calgary. Then they beat Montreal in a shootout, and then they got shellacked on Thursday night, 7-3 by Montreal. Okay, does that mean Vancouver is yuck city this year? 
I don't think so. I think they can turn it around. They still have good players. Colorado, the team that Vegas had at the top, the very top, the best odds to win the Stanley Cup heading into the season. They lost to St. Louis. No shame in that. St. Louis is a really good team. But they just lost to the Kings on Thursday night, a team that everybody thought was going to be the last place team in the West that's clearly going through a major rebuild. Now, because they lost to the Kings 4-2, to does that mean that Colorado is not legit? Are we forgetting that this is hockey and you can lose to any team on any given night? I mean, look at the New York Islanders. They're off to a good start, 3-1. and one. They got shut out in Game 2, 5 to nothing. Ugly by the New- to the New York Rangers. So it's early. These teams are, are – we don't know what any of them are yet because if we're going to judge them by last year, that's not the right thing to do. You have to judge them by this year. And until you get 10, 12, maybe even 15 games in, and I get it, it's a shortened season, 56 games, you still don't know what they are. All right, let's get to the questions. And our first question comes from at Big Yoin. He says, my outstanding concern is a suitable player to play on the top pair next to Provorov. He said, Braun is a solid bottom four guy, but his lack of speed gets exposed too often. Provy can't sustain 30 minutes of ice time a night. The team needs a 2D more than anything else. Now, this I will deem immediately, this is a legit concern. I think I've said it here on the podcast. You know, using Justin Braun in that position may work for a period of time. Uh, Using Travis Sanheim on that top pairing, I don't love that because it's two left-shot defensemen. It's why I've never kind of referred to Sanheim as a top-pairing D-man. I always refer to him as a top-four because you already have a top-pairing left-shot D-man, and that's Ivan Provorov. So, um, and I like the right-shot, left-shot as well. I like to have my defensemen take pucks off the boards in the offensive zone on their forehand, not having to turn their back to the play on or get on their backhand and have their the, the blade of their stick board side. So yeah, that is a concern. And when Matt Niskanen retired, you know, that was a big concern. It's a big void. And, you know, Eric Gustafson doesn't fill that void. He's not that guy. And, again, he's another left shot. So that, okay, first one, big yoin, that's a legit concern. I think you have to go through a period of time seeing what you have, seeing if somebody can play there. I wanted to see Phil Myers there. Obviously, he's out hurt, so that's not going to happen right now. But that's something because he is a right shot. He is a big body. You, you like to have at least one veteran on your top pair. Provorov's a younger player, but I would like to see Phil Myers in that position before I'm ready to start shipping people out to bring something in. Uh, Dan Marcus tweets in. He says, uh, hey, Jace, here's one. Is it too early to call um, Chuck Fletcher's offseason a substandard one? He said, I'm starting to think that the inability to effectively replace Niskanen is going to haunt this team, especially when there were solid, affordable options on the market and with teams in cap trouble. Yeah, but I disagree with that. I don't think that there was suitable players on the market that you could just plug in and fit into this cap situation. And the trade market, as we saw, was very clogged. It just didn't happen because the flat cap world made movement so different than it's ever been. While you have a lot of assets and and pieces that you can use as trade equity— it's difficult to make trades in a flat cap world, at least right now. So, uh, look, the offseason, there wasn't a lot a lot to it, obviously. The signing of Eric Gustafson, the, the retirement of Niskanen was pretty much long and short of it. But you had to see what you were getting back in Nolan Patrick and, and Oscar Lindblom. Now, those two pieces look very good. But you have some injuries now, how he handles it. I, I don't fault 
Chuck Fletcher for handling the offseason the way he did, considering the variables that he had with two players in Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom to improve this team. The loss of Niskanen, yes, it was big. But in a way, too, it also freed up cap space, and you have to have young players step up. And when you're in a flat cap world, you have to get more from players on entry-level contracts or the first contract out of their entry-level, which is a guy like Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim. Jay tweets in and says, I think the lack of consistent in- consistent intensity is an issue. He said, I'm not blaming AV necessarily. These guys can play with anyone when they want to and have the jump. Problem is, it just isn't there all the time. Okay, Jay, this is the thing. I, I talk about this a lot. Just because they're getting pinned in their zone or the other team has momentum doesn't mean there's a lack of intensity. It doesn't mean they're not trying. The game is all about swings of momentum. You have momentum. The other team's trying to get it. They capture it. You're trying to get it back. And, you know, just uh, people say, well, I don't see a 60-minute effort. Well, the game against the Buffalo Sabres was a 60-minute effort. The first period, Buffalo was good. The second period, the Flyers were good. You know, the effort was there the whole time, but they didn't have, you know, they weren't on top of Buffalo the entire time. I think people looked at the the Boston game, and yeah, Boston outshot the Flyers handily in the first period, 14-3 to in the game on Thursday. The Flyers in the second period outshot Boston and then came away with a 2-0 lead. And you knew Boston was going to come out in that third period with their hair on fire and just throwing it all at the wall. And they did. They tied the game, and then uh, the Flyers came back, got a goal, retook the lead. Boston came back, tied the game again, and then took the lead. Then the Flyers came back and tied it late with James Van Riemsdyk to get that fourth goal and force overtime. The game's all about ebbs and flows. I think sometimes people are looking for consistent domination, and when it's not when you're when the other team's on top of you, they look at it as a lack of intensity. I don't look at it that way. To me, it's again a game of having momentum and trying to reget recapture it when you lose it. MSDR tweeted in and he said, lack of consistency. That's his concern. No lessons learned from the playoffs last year. It seems like high-pressure forechecking still gives them fits. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a valid concern, the second part. I don't, I don't agree with the first part because I don't know what the, their, their identity is for this year yet. It, you can't determine that in five games. What I do know is this, though. Um, they've played three of their five games with a short bench. Uh, game two. They lost Sean Couturier 45 seconds in. He's a pretty important player. And to lose him 45 seconds, you know, he played 45 seconds on two shifts. And, and you're playing with a short bench with your number one pivot out, number one. The other, uh, the Buffalo game, the second Buffalo game, they lost Phil Myers after the first period. About midway through the second, they lost Morgan Frost. So you lost a top nine center, and you lost a, a, a top four defenseman. And then again on fr- uh, Thursday against Boston. You ended up losing early in the second period, Mark Friedman. Now, and you're playing short D again. These are difficult things to do, especially when you didn't have a long training camp. You didn't have a preseason. Ivan Provorov's played 30 minutes on a couple of occasions already. That will wear you down when you're playing 10 games in the first 19 days of the season. So for that, I would say the, the lack of consistency part, I can't make that determination yet. I can't. I can't say no lessons learned from the playoffs last year. Um, high pressure forechecking has been giving them fits, but they are also shorthanded, and they have been shorthanded for three of the five games. And even with that, 
they are still 3-1-1. One, and one. All right, Michael Taylor says, I think we'd all love if Niskanen had another had played another year for the Flyers, uh, but the defensive issues are not just one person. It's a team issue that can be fixed with practice and coaching. Also, spending some sustained time in the ozone wouldn't hurt. What do you think? Well, absolutely. A great way to fix your defensive zone problems is not to play in your D zone, to play in the offensive zone. Absol- that makes a ton of sense. Um, and you're right. The Defensive issues are never just on one man or even just on the de- the defenders. It's on everybody, the five-man unit. And they do need to be better in that regard. That's a legitimate concern. And they need to have, I've said it many times, much cleaner zone exits. Um, they, they have to move up the ice as a five-man unit. And this is where I, when I watch, sometimes I feel like I can see players thinking a little bit, not moving their feet. And that's when you go up the ice kind of uh, not in unison. And in the NHL, you have to you have to attack in unison uh, to be able to spread a team out and, and go through the neutral zone with pace and then be able to obtain the offensive zone and then be able to start to work your forecheck or your cycle and those kind of things. Uh, Mike Deej tweets in. What's going on, Mike? Uh, he says, how many moves do you think are necessary to get this year's team to go further than last year's? I think they need a top four D-man and a goal scorer up front with some size. Also, wouldn't hurt to add some muscle to the bottom six. Well, I don't think all those things are possible because um, you don't have the roster spots for it. What are you giving up to, to – what are you taking out of the lineup to put those things in? Uh, a top four D-man, okay. Um, I understand that. I'd love a top pairing guy. To, to put a right shot with Ivan Provorov. But again, those guys don't grow on trees. They're they're a bit of a unicorn in the NHL. But I do agree, that is still a concern for me. As far as the goal scorer up front with some size, okay, who are you taking out? Um, I know a lot of people seem to want to you know trade Jake Voracek or James Van Riemsdyk. Both are off to great starts, by the way. I think Voracek's been excellent, and James Van Riemsdyk's off to a good statistical start. So... It's, it's what are you taking out and how do you fit it in a flat cap world? I, I understand you want to collect those those elements and they're important, but at what cost? And how do you fit it in a flat cap world? Because a team's just not going to give you a guy, number one, and you are gonna, you're going to have to trade money. So you're going to have to trade one of your issues for a problem solver. That's tough to do. Uh, at, at Danger Zone says, I'm worried that the Flyers are playing the way they did in the playoffs last year, which is very different from how they played in the regular season last year when they were so good. Is this a conscious style change by AV? No, he hasn't changed anything. It, it, I think last year in the bubble was, was different than the regular season because playoff hockey is, number one. And number two, the other element here is that I don't know what this team is yet this year, and they have been shorthanded. So, I'm not ready to say that's a, a total concern right now. I have to see how this kind of progresses over the next five to six games to, to really – I need more, I need further data is maybe the answer that I want to give. Uh, Pat Greel says, do they look good? Not, No, not really at all, but I see that is a very good thing. Actually, a team that has looked out of sync and is still 3-1-1, one, and one, wait till it fully clicks. I agree with you to a sense, to, to a degree, because – they have looked out of sync, and they haven't looked great, and they are 3-1-1, but is that a sustainable result based on the way they're playing? That would be the concern I have with that. All right, next one comes from CFW. He said, I'm concerned with the fan base's lack of confidence in this team in front office. <laughs> Good tweet. <laughs> um, 
Yager forever at since Yager says the team is not very deep on defense and I'm not sure how harmful it is to Hart's development to be behind a hurt and thin blue line. Also worried that Provy can't sustain a half hour of ice time all season. Totally agree. He can't sustain that, uh, especially when you're playing a condensed schedule, 56 games in 116 days, 10 games in the first 19 days. You're right about that. As far as Hart goes, um, yet the blue line's banged up and it's a tough situation for the, for the team when you're not, you know, when so many of your players are hurt early on in a season. And look, we hope that Phil Myers comes back soon, but don't worry about the goaltending. The goaltending will be fine. A suspend on Twitter says his concern is that they're giving up almost 40 shots, shots a game. Yikes. Okay, um, let me dispel this myth real quick. Shots in hockey are, it's an overstated case. It's not about the amount of shots. If they were giving up 50, I would say, okay, um, 40, yeah, that's a lot of shots, but it's high danger chances and the quality of shots. Not all shots are created equal. The Flyers do do a pretty decent job, despite giving up 40, of still keeping a lot of shots to the outside and clear-sighted. So don't worry about the number 40. Worry about how many high danger chances they give up. That's what matters. At SReedy10 says, how big of a concern for you is our lack of breakout ability? Every time the puck is coming out of our zone, it looks like all three forwards are up in the attacking half of the neutral zone, and the stretch batches don't work yet. They keep trying. It's a big issue for me. It is a big issue. Zone exits, and when failed zone exits happen, that creates transition opportunities for the opposition, and we've seen quite a few of, to, to go back to the previous question, high danger chances coming off of those transitions and lack of clears. So, yeah, the breakout ability, and this is what I talked about before. This is where the five-man unit needs to be coming out in concert, all together, uh, moving out of the zone, into the neutral zone, and quick little 10-foot passes to get speed through the neutral zone. So that is a legitimate concern to me. Um, Eric Bowman says, the D needs improvement. Trade is needed. Okay. Um, what are you trading to get what? And, again, if Phil, when Phil Myers is healthy and it'll be a couple weeks, do you still need to make that move? And um, the D does need to be better. The team D is what I'm talking about. And the lack of uh, – you know, zone exits and keeping the team out of your zone and playing in their zone certainly helps. Look, I think the D needs to be improved as well. And the spot I look at is that top pairing right side. Nick Patron says, why are they struggling to get shots on net? It seems like they are being outshot by a huge margin. Well, it doesn't seem like they are. They are being outshot by a huge margin. So um, why are they struggling to get shots on that? I think sometimes they're making, trying to make the perfect play and not simplifying. And again, that comes with early in a season, we'd be midway through the preseason right now, where your your instincts are to overpass, to try and get more people involved and create the perfect opportunity as opposed to simplifying. With all that said, the lack of shots that they have gotten on that and the fact that they are being outshot, they have 19 goals in the first five games. So that part is a concern, yes, from a theoretical standpoint, but not from a result standpoint just yet. Uh, Jackson Nakoya tweets in and says, who could be available via trade now or at the deadline? That's a that's a really good question that I wish I had the answer to. I know a, a couple of guys that are available via trade, like Pierre-Luc Dubois is available via trade. I, I think Patrick Laine is available via trade. Maybe those two are even traded for each other. Um, but do those players, are those 
either of those players what you need. Now, Pierre-Luc Dubois is an interesting one. He's a center, big. Uh, there's a little bit of a red flag that goes up for me when I see a guy that is forcing his way out of Columbus the way he is and the way he's playing in this situation. That's a bit of a red flag, but you know, change of scenery could, could change that element. He can be a dominant player. Uh, but what would you have to give up to get him? You'd have to give up a lot. I mean, I think Nolan Patrick, Travis Konechny, I mean, those are the kind of names you're talking about. They don't really need D. They're one of the teams that doesn't need D. They're going to want a center in return. And if you're trading for Pierre-Luc Dubois, you want to play him at the pivot. So you, you need to open a center spot. Kevin Hayes, you're not going to trade. Sean Couturier, you're not going to trade. It would have to be Nolan Patrick and, and some more. Uh, to a team like Columbus, and I don't think that Columbus would be willing to deal him in division. C.J. Snyder says, do you see a move coming in the next few weeks for a veteran defenseman? That depends on how Chuck Fletcher is evaluating his team right now. I don't think so in the next couple of weeks. If Phil Myers was going to be out long-term, I think that that would be more of a viable possibility, uh, but I don't see that happening uh, in the next couple of weeks. Unless an opportunity, here's the variable, unless an opportunity for a player is available that we don't know about a player that really fits and you can fit cap wise and, and the exchange is right for this team. I don't, I think Chuck's listening on everything. I think that he's doing his due diligence and if something makes sense, then he will do it. But the Flyers are also in a position of teams knowing that they want a top pairing defenseman um, and that they're banged up right now. So that, that kind of lessens your hand in any kind of trade. Uh, Tony Stavoli tweets and he says, uh, for my concern, I love Hart and I want to start with that. I think he's going to be great, but it seems like once he lets one goal in, the wheels just fall off. I don't agree with that. I know the last game they gave up two goals in the first two minutes of the third period, and they ended up letting in four in that third period when they were up 2 nothing heading in. Uh, but, no, I think his ability to reset after a goal is as good as anybody in the NHL and certainly at his age. So, look – when goals go in, goaltending does not happen in a vacuum. Look at his environment. Look at his surroundings. Hangzilla tweets in and he says, he said, I only concern myself with wins and losses. All good here. Yeah, they're 3-1-1, one, and one, but you do need to look a little bit deeper. There are some concerns. Uh, Christian says, do the Flyers have enough scoring talent to win when Hart has a bad game? Scoring four or five goals on 20 to 25 shots does not seem sustainable at all. Okay, um... Yes, they do. They finished the regular season last year. I'll go back to what they were last year since we just kind of started there. They were the seventh highest scoring team in the league last year um, by getting depth scoring and spreading it around. They've done that this year as well so far. I got to see more to know that that's a part of their identity this year. Um, but again, don't look at four goals in regulation and overtime based on 25 shots. It's not about the amount of shots. It's about the quality of chances. Hart was excellent in that first period against the Boston Bruins. Uh, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna let in four or five goals, and the no matter how good or bad the goaltending is, you're not gonna win a lot of games. You got to let in less than that, and they have. They got a forty save shutout from Brian Elliott, the three nothing win over Buffalo. They they held uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins to three goals and two goals, and then they ended up losing a five four shootout game and a shootout wide-open third-period game with six total goals against the Boston Bruins. Jason Gray says, why is it year after year, and especially early on this year, we turn the puck over so much? The lack of discipline with the puck is frustrating, and it seems to cost us at least once a game. That's everybody in the league right now, Jason. It's just early, and the systems are not dialed in, and those things happen when the teams aren't dialed in. 
that will get tightened up. All right, that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. A lot of great questions. We addressed a lot of concerns. I hope uh, that that helped. It was definitely cathartic for me. In the meantime, big game tonight, Flyers-Bruins at 7 o'clock. We'll have all the coverage for you on 97.5 The Fanatic. In the meantime, everybody, enjoy your game day. Game tonight. We'll bring you another brand new episode, day after game edition, coming up tomorrow on Flyers Daily. Here from the King's Mountain View. Here from a wild dream come true. Feast like a sultan, I do. On treasures and flesh, never fear.